Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. I don't know when we get to officially announce the new sponsor of the studio, but I do know that I keep saying our old sponsor in my head a bunch of different times, and I don't know how long that's going to go on. I've been doing the same studio sponsor for five years, and I'm excited that we got new people coming on uh, because it represents growth in the show and the network and everything else. But I'm going to probably make a lot of mistakes. If you were setting the over-under for how many times I'll say the wrong studio, what do you think you would set the over-under at, Dub? Man, just in like for the next couple of weeks? I mean, it's a little bit like when the year changes. Remember when you were a kid? Absolutely. And, you know, you would, or maybe you're still writing handwritten checks or whatever. When you flip over, like we're over into 2021 right now. The likelihood that uh, you were a kid, you know, when you were like, you had to write your name and the date up in the top right corner of your of your notebook paper, you would always have difficulty like, oh yeah, now it's a new semester, it's a new year. And same thing now when you get older and you're writing checks, like all the years kind of run together. The older I get, the more they run together. I'm going to make that error. Like I, I legitimately think it's not just going to be for like two weeks. I mean, when you replace something that I've been saying for five years, I think it's probably going to be... I would go over under 25 probably right now. Well, yeah, and there might be a. We need instance, to keep a tally. There might be an instance even this summer where it just kind of, you have a rogue slip up. Oh, there's in no July. doubt. Because the other thing, and you know this, every commercial break, there's a lot of different things that you're trying to take care of. You're like, okay, what reads do we have? What ads? What's the latest news? Who are our guests? What are we going to promote? What are we going to make sure we got to hit? There's a lot of different moving parts, a little bit like being air traffic control. And so that's been one that I've been able to just consistently rely on, but I'll probably screw it up. But we appreciate all the new sponsors coming on the show that you're going to be hearing, including uh, Black Rifle Coffee, who has already started a lot getting rolled out uh, to start off in 2021. And we appreciate all our new affiliates uh, as well all over the country. Now, uh, I started off the show two hours ago talking about all six of the NFL head coaching jobs. And I told you that... I had sat down and I had made my list and I like to pretend that I'm the head coach and I'm considering all the different circumstances. Where would I and how would I rank all of these different NFL jobs that are open right now? So you got the Falcons, the Jags, the Texans, the Lions, the Chargers, the Jets, teams from all over the country, every different uh, basically uh, area you can possibly imagine, right? There are people listening who are fans of all six of those teams right now. And everybody likes to think that whatever they like is popular with other people. This is really true in college football. Because God forbid you rank somebody's favorite college football team as not being as good of a job as somebody else. Like your mentions turn into a war zone in a heartbeat. Not as much in pro sports. But here are my orders uh, of the six jobs ranked. And then I'm going to circle back around and explain why I ranked them as I did. All right. I've got the Chargers as the best team in the NFL right now, all right? Best available job in the NFL. Texans second best, Jags third best, Jets fourth best, Lions fifth, and the Falcons sixth. That's the order in which I would rank the available jobs. Now, there are two primary factors that I am considering when it comes to ranking the quality of these jobs. 
And this is why the Chargers are number one. It's why the Texans are two. It's why the Jags are three and so forth. All right. Number one is the quality of the quarterback in combination with the youth of the quarterback. In other words, younger quality quarterback, always better, right? I'm not trying to take a shot at Matthew Stafford, who I think is probably almost done, if not already, with the Lions, or at Matt Ryan with the Falcons. But both of those guys are in their 30s. They are good quarterbacks, solid quarterbacks. Matt Ryan, MVP quarterback even, who should have, sorry Falcon fans, actually won a Super Bowl, all right? But, tail end of his career. Same thing, likely true, of Matthew Stafford, who's been an absolute warrior. Chargers are number one on my list because I watched Justin Herbert play a lot of football this year, and that dude is so much better than anybody in L.A. who is a Charger fan could have possibly hoped for. He is a stud of studs. And I believe that that is why the Chargers are the best job. Also, Texans love Deshaun Watson, and the fact that he's on the young side also like the opportunity of the Jags and the Jets to get a good young quarterback. That's why I have them as the top four. Secondary part of this analysis. I said number one was your quarterback and how young that quarterback might be. Second part of this. How about the youth of the team overall? This is from Matt Money-Smith. About to talk with Petros Papadakis. But he put together a list that I thought was really good. 25 and under club for the Chargers. Justin Herbert, 22. Kenneth Murray, 22. Derwin James, 24. Joey Bosa, 24. Uh, Nwosu, uh, 24. Drew Tranquil, 25. Austin Eckler, 25 years old. Okay? All of those guys are pretty phenomenal in the grand scheme of things as you break down their overall talent, right? And then the final factor that I think you have to consider is... The youth of the quarterback, i.e. the youth of the team in general, salary cap permutations. Right now, the Chargers have $30 million in salary cap money. Jets have $73 million, and the Jags have $81 million. And so to me, it's a pretty easy call. Doesn't mean that somebody can't get the Falcons job and win doesn't mean somebody can't get the Lions. Well, it probably does mean whoever the Lions uh, hire, they're probably still going to lose because that's probably the worst franchise in all of sports. But to me, if you're a Charger fan, there is a lot to be excited about as you get ready. You can argue that I've got the Texans too high because Bill O'Brien traded away their number one and their number two draft picks, but they had major injury issues. And you got to go back and look at what Deshaun Watson was capable of achieving this year. That guy had almost no support. They traded away his best wide receiver. There were all sorts of injuries at his wide receiver core, and also guys who tested positive and weren't allowed to continue to play. And yet he went out and he found a way to continue to win. And that, to me, is a testament to everything about Deshaun Watson. So, in order, my six, Chargers one, Texans two, Jags three, Jets four, Lions 5, and the Falcons in the 6th spot. You should be excited if you are a Charger fan about what the future can represent. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis.
We are rolling through the third hour of the program on Tuesday, and you know what that means, and his walk-up music is back because we're through with Christmas. It is Petros Papadakis, and that is Taylor Swift. Petros, we got college football down to one game. We also have a lot of different NFL jobs that are open out there, including one on AM570 LA Sports official team uh, from Los Angeles, the Chargers. I'll get to that with you in a moment. But first, did you watch both of the college football games? And if so, the playoff games, what were your big takeaways? I I drove my family home, actually, from the desert. Yes. Uh, So that day, I really just heard a lot of how many more minutes. There was a are we there yet chant. Oh, yeah, of course. My son, who always threatens to get sick, held a bag to his face for the majority, I'd say about 85% of the ride. Never threw up, but, you know, kept the bag to his face so everybody in the car could be anxious about it. You know how that feels. Yeah. And it was uh, it was overall a pretty bad thing. I have a very good gist of what happened, and I've seen enough to be able to answer questions. But to answer your question honestly, did it hold me? No, Cincinnati, Georgia held me (laughs) a little bit more uh, than those other two. What do you think? So a lot of discussion about Justin Fields and the fact that he came back from that big injury hit. And what's interesting and sometimes about college football is we get really pretty detailed injury reports in the NFL. In college football, and you know from having covered these games, Coaches keep the injury reports really close to the vest. You know, until warm-up sometimes, we don't know how healthy guys are. Um, You know, there's no dress roster that's put out. There's no active and inactive list, questionable, doubtful. Uh, Did they practice details about injury? That doesn't come out. Do you think that Justin Fields is uh, is healthy? And does it make you a little bit squeamish, uh, you know, talking about the health of college players in a way – that maybe feels quite a bit different than talking about the health of professional athletes who are, you know, getting paid millions of dollars to play football. Well, not squeamish because I happen to know what it takes medically and physically to play college football at that level. And it's very similar to the NFL situation as far as needles and all those different things. Getting shot up. I mean, I think a lot of people think of that with the NFL, but don't necessarily think of it with college football. But the reality is there's lots of medical treatment and serious injury in college football and playing through pain that doesn't get as much attention sometimes as it does in, in the NFL. Well, the truth is, in college football, it's the Wild West where... There is no protocol. There's no protocol of when and where to tell anybody you're hurt or how you're hurt. And there's really no protocol for you and your doctors to treat somebody and to get them ready to play. I mean, doctors are all bound by their oath, and coaches are sworn to care for these people. But as you know, there's billions of dollars involved in these things and gambling and all kinds of different stuff going on. So at the college level, it's very murky at best. And it's interesting that we haven't really had much of this conversation in the past. I mean, these things happened before. I remember before the 2003 Orange Bowl, Iowa versus USC, Troy Polamalu took a shot 
in his hamstring, and he took it right before the game. And that's pretty high on your leg to take a shot right before the game because if they hit a nerve, you'll lose the, the use of your leg. So that's what happened, too. You know, it's an off chance it'll happen. That's why a lot of guys like to get that shot on, on Thursday and let it kind of simmer for a couple days because if your leg goes numb totally, you can bring get the muscles back by game time. But anyway, Troy wasn't able to play in his last game for USC, and that game was a big deal. It's before they won championships, but it was a BCS bowl game, and Carson Palmer just won the Heisman, and it was heartbreaking to see that happen. But I'm not squeamish about it. We don't talk about it on our broadcast and things like that because, I mean, ultimately these are institutions of higher education, but what it takes to play the sport is almost worse than in the NFL level because – if you're a younger person, you don't really understand the value of your body and the money that you're going to make long-term with it, right? And you also can be manipulated uh, by a coach or a doctor or anybody else, uh, theoretically. I'm not you saying also think – no, no, it's 100% true. You also, the younger you are, think that you're always going to be okay, right? I mean – I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to say the amount of shots I took at USC. And I took shots on the bottom of my foot before every game, my my final season, just to play. The bottom of your foot. Oh, imagine that. Every no, it's week brutal. For months. You know, yeah, that's what I had to look forward to on game day. And I'm not saying that I'm some kind of stud. That is the norm. I'm yeah. not saying that. I mean, maybe I was a little more extreme than some people. but And I made these decisions. Nobody, I didn't walk into a needle. I mean, you make those decisions because you want to freaking play. Right. That's what football, you know, that's what football, that's what Justin Fields wants to do. And there has to be responsible people involved. Yes. But at the same time, I mean, it's football. Like, it's always very interesting to me. Like all the pearl clutching about the fight with with, uh, Mississippi State. Yeah, right, right. I mean, you, you guys know what you're covering, right, in the first place. Like, you know what this sport is. Like, you know, ban those guys forever. They should never play again. Like, look, I don't like to see a guy get kicked when a guy's down. But, I mean, I've seen way worse football fights in practice that no one ever even talks about. And, you know, the coaches are always told, and you're told, that they want to keep you right on the edge, you know, right on the edge of exploding. You know, that's where your best football is played. So when it boils over in situations, I don't. I mean, I don't all of a sudden like want to write off a bunch of young men's lives who are on scholarship, ban them forever. Why? Because they got in a fight? I mean, they play football, for God's sake. No, it, it is always interesting like what people get offended by and what they don't get offended by sometimes in the world of athletics. And, uh, and it is, what was that, Mississippi State against Tulsa? Uh, yeah, you know, or the uh, the punch that happened. Remember when Legarrette Blunt dropped? Uh, I think it was Byron Haupt. I can't believe I think yes. that's the guy's name. Yes, bingo! And yeah. Scott Frost had to drag Legarrette off the field, and everybody was so. Oh, it was like a Today Show lead story. Oh my God! It's like you know, it's I'm not condoning the violence, and we're supposed to control ourselves and be sportsmen, and I get it and all that, but. I don't think a lot of the people that get upset about these types of things, like, oh, my God, Justin Fields had to take a shot to play, like that kind of thing. Like, it's not just in North Dallas 40. I mean, it's a reality of the sport and the people that play it. 
And people like this, we had this with the Jonathan Martin uh, incognito situation. People just aren't comfortable with how the sausage is made when it comes to the sport. Casual fans really aren't. And, and a lot of the media isn't either. But it's hilarious because it's the most viewed sport in the country. It's the biggest money maker, And there's obviously money in covering it. But it just doesn't seem like it seems like less and less the people that cover it are less and less comfortable with it. Speaking of the people that cover it, I don't know if you saw this or read the article. I put up the screenshot. The New York Times has had two unbelievable college football stories in the past basically two days. The Sunday New York Times magazine asked if playing college football this year, given the cost, was worth it. Now, I don't even know what they mean by the cost because there's been virtually no hospitalizations of players. I mean, for COVID, certainly guys are under far more danger, I think, running around actually playing football uh, than they are from COVID in terms of long-range injury uh, to their bodies. Coaches have been fine. And then they followed it up yesterday uh, with an article that went up which said that in the New York Times opinion, Connecticut should be crowned. Did you see this? I don't even know if you've seen it. Connecticut should be crowned the national champion of college football this year because they were the only ones who were brave enough to say it's not safe to play this year. Well, they're they're, uh, they're the closest they'll ever get to it. (laughs) Uh, But uh, look, I didn't read either article, Clay. So uh, I I read them both. I read them both. So the headlines are representative in some ways of what the article typically says. So what I'd ask you, yeah, I'd want to ask you is who did they did they talk to any of the players? Did they talk to any of the kids? Any of the kids' parents? Any of the coaches? I mean, did did they have a discussion with anybody, or was it just talking down to people from an ivory tower? It was mostly talking down to people from an ivory tower. Right. Uh, you know, they so, did I mean, talk. They did talk to the Big Ten commissioner. They had some quotes from him. Uh, but by and large, the story was it. What, when I here's what I have found very often happens. So in they the media. talk to they talk to executives. None of the people that are actually involved in the creation of the product. Yeah, and Just also executives. What I find happens so many times is people know what story they want to write before they even talk to anybody. And you know as well as I do, if you talk to somebody for 30 minutes, you can find a quote to support pretty much any idea that you have, right? I mean, oh, yeah. Because I, I, have you're, to, I have to get after local reporters all the time, you know, like, hey, don't frame me like that. How dare you? Like, I gave you good background. Like, you usually have to do it like the first time they call me and they screw up the article so bad. Right. And I have to call them and, and, and force them to apologize and make fun of them on this show <laughs> and all that. Yeah, there's so much bending uh, of that kind of thing. But, I mean, to me, it's like I talk to players and coaches every week, Yep. Uh, sometimes twice a week with giant groups of people, long calls about, you know, all this protocol and what they were going through to play and what it meant to them to be out there. And for me, that was all I needed to feel good about putting the season together. It was very yep. awkward, and it wasn't always the greatest thing. But if if those people talk to players and coaches, I think they'd probably have a lot. They'd have a harder time writing the, the headline and the article that they wrote because I don't really know, like you said, how they what they what how you quantify cost when it comes to – I mean, what do you mean cost? They were really – 
I didn't hear about anybody getting super sick at all. And yep. all, all we heard about was uh, the fact that some games were canceled and kids were able to be showcased and do what they were promised from their schools years ago. We're talking to Petros Papadakis, AM570, LA Sports, very, very popular Petros and Money show. On top of that, um, by the way, by the time we talk on Tuesday, there will have been a champion crowned. It will be either Alabama or Ohio State. What do you expect to have seen happen in that game? Who do you pick to win? What do you expect it to look like? I'm not, I'm not stupid. I, I, it's Alabama. Alabama's firepower in capital letters, firepower is just unparalleled this year. If there's a better receiver than Devontae out there in this passing explosive era, I, I haven't I haven't seen him. If there's somebody better, I, I, maybe there's some guys that have been as good. I didn't see a lot of DK Metcalf in college. I gotta be honest, but. They are obviously really, really special. It's a special year for a special program in an era where we probably won't see this kind of dominance ever again. So I like Alabama. I thought Ohio State had a lot to prove, not just because of the polls, just because of the way the game turned out last year. And Ohio State beating Clemson and playing as well as he did with Fields and, and having Ryan Day get that signature win, that was an upset. But... Ohio State's a great team. There's no doubt about it. I just don't think anybody's better than Alabama this year. I mean, look what Alabama can do. I mean, all they do is they rehab coaches. They got Kiffin another job. They got Sark another job. They got Sark tens of millions of dollars. They they are an unbelievable football utopia. And the excellence at the level that they do it is beyond the NFL, it's beyond the NCAA, it's beyond the history of it's it's really it it belongs up there in the annals of, of football excellence and greatness. And I I really mean that. So good for them and roll tide. You'll see them win another championship and it'll be hard to discern from Saban holding that trophy to all the other ones we've seen him hold in, in these decades. What do you think about Sark being hired by Texas? Well, I thought it was interesting. Like, look, last time I talked to Steve Sarkeesian on the phone was five years ago. And we were doing his travel for a football game that I was supposed to call with him. Which oh, was wow. Texas versus, oh, yeah, yeah. Texas versus Maryland, believe it or not. And which, would, which ended up, uh, which was Tom Herman's debut that funny and maryland and, won right didn't maryland pull off an upset in that game yeah they beat him two years in a row yeah uh once at in austin which that one was and then the other one in college park and i ended up doing a game with mark helfrich who's a great guy and turned out to be a very good analyst at fox and between those things he had the oc job with the bears for a while did helfrich but the next day after I talked to Sark and kind of told him how we, you know, just a little overview of what it was going to be like doing the game, he got a OC kind of quality control job with Kiffin at Alabama. And then he went to Atlanta. And then he went back to Alabama. And Alabama rehabs coaches. It really I, mean, I know he went to real he really he went to real rehab. But I mean, I look for Tom Herman either to go work for Fox 
I mean, probably not in the booth with me because he is very <laughs> likable guy. Uh, or go get go be a play caller for Alabama uh, because that's kind of weird too. Like if you look back at Texas hired the play caller for the best team in the country when they hired Tom Herman. Yep. Okay. So now they've hired the play caller for the best team in the country again. And I know they wanted Urban Meyer. I know they offered Urban Meyer months ago, you know, almost a hundred million dollars or something, you know, maybe a little lower than that. And they spent the last couple months convincing Del Conte that he wants Sark and they sold it to him. Now, you can be a leader and a play caller at the same time, and obviously Steve's proven a lot since things collapsed at, collapsed at USC. I wish him the best. I just think it's a very similar hire to the Tom Herman hire in many ways when you just look at who the coaches are. They're both very organized guys who are, are well-connected in the world of football who are known as being very good play callers. It's funny. I, I we just had Chip Brown on, who broke the story from uh, from Horns twenty four seven dot com, and I said the same thing. Look, Tom Herman was at Ohio State. He was the genius play caller of Urban Meyer. He gets the job at Houston, has immediate success at Houston, and then Texas goes and hires him. And now it feels like to me, in many ways, they're hiring another version of Tom Herman and paying Tom Herman twenty five million dollars, his staff, not to be there anymore. And boom, in comes Steve Sarkeesian, and we'll see exactly how it all shakes out. Uh, just before you came on... But it does show you one thing, just in relative to to, to this place where I live, at, at, at USC and the situation they've had over the years. When a real blue blood program wants to move on, they do it. And somebody pays for it. And they move forward. Yeah. Uh, there are six open jobs right now in the NFL. I said in the previous segment right before you came on, I kind of ran through them and ranked them in the order in which I would take them. Uh, Chargers, Texans, Jags, Jets, Lions, and Falcons were the order that I would take them. I'm not going to ask you to rank those, those jobs, but I do wonder, would you agree that given how good Justin Herbert looked and how many good young talented players the Chargers have, that that is an incredibly attractive job to a lot of different people out there, not even having to put in the fact that obviously you get to live in Los Angeles and coach in this brand new uh, eventual stadium, Shangri-La, that will have a lot of fans inside of it. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, you have the stadium part of it, which is a big part of it. You have the L.A. part of it, which is supposed to be an attractive media part of it, uh, which yep. is a part of the New York attraction as well with the Jets. But what's really become the sun in that galaxy, and we talked about it on the show yesterday, is Herbert. Yeah. Herbert has become, and it's not, uh, hey, he might be good, like Trevor Lawrence is a can't-miss number one pick. Well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, it doesn't mean. We've seen what Herbert can do on the pro level, and that means that now the Chargers' number one job is to build a great team around him while he's on a rookie contract and go get it and find the coach that can do that. You don't want his career to be like Matthew Stafford's, right? A guy who's an incredible thrower. You see him complete all these balls down the field every year, put up great numbers, and he barely ever, if ever, sees the playoffs. They have to find a way to avoid that. And this hire is one of the most important hires 
in the history of Chargers football, and it's because of that one guy. And then I think you're right. You know, behind that would be the Jets because you have a quarterback that a lot of people still believe in. I certainly do with Sam Darnold and the attraction of the New York uh, media market. And you know, the Jaguars don't have a bad situation as far as a lot of young players. They, they do need a quarterback. But Herbert has become something of an anomaly, something very special, kind of right under everybody's nose here in Los Angeles. And they've, they've really got to find a way to get the right guy in there to continue to develop him as one of the great players in the league, and, and he's stuck in the same division with, with Patrick Mahomes, which is kind of interesting. But you could either go get a college guy, like a leader type of guy, like a Matt Campbell. Urban Meyer's been talked about, but I don't see the Spanos family giving him the control he, he would require, or at least that we all think he would require. Uh, we talked about a lot of those NFL-type coordinator guys, which was who Anthony Lynn was. When he got hired, but it, it'll be interesting. I don't know. They don't really need to make a splash with the hire because they have the splash. It's the quarterback and the stadium, but they need to make the right hire. It is going to be really fascinating to see what they do there because I just think Justin Herbert looks so incredibly fantastic. Uh, there's rumors now that Jason Garrett may get interviewed, uh, the former Dallas Cowboy head coach, and I know he'll take a lot of shots at the idea that he would be a good head coach, but he did seem to do pretty well for Dak Prescott. And for everybody out there who was uh, saying, hey, Mike McCarthy's going to be the savior, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys didn't look any better at all uh, without Jason Garrett than they did uh, with him. So uh, who they end up hiring there will be incredibly interesting. Petros Papadakis, I appreciate you, my man. We will uh, talk to you next week, and by the time we do, they will have been a college football champion crown. Well, who do you have? Do you have the Tide as well? Yeah, I think Alabama, although this Ohio State team feels like uh like you know sometimes you see teams and they feel like they are so disrespected that they can carry that aura into it's not like they have to carry that a long distance right because I think being obsessed with being disrespected weighs heavy on the shoulders eventually like you can't play with that spontaneity and that that passion you would know better than me forever but can they do it against Clemson certainly they did and could they do it against Alabama? Yeah, I think they could do it for two games, particularly because they only played six uh, in the regular season. So I think it'll be close. Uh, but ultimately, I, I just think uh, Alabama's got too many horses. So uh, I think well, they'll pull if, away. Uh, if Fields is too full of uh, cortisone, you guys can always dust off Cardale, you know? Yeah. Pull it off again. I mean, it does feel a little bit like that with, uh, you know, the new running back in the role of Ezekiel Elliott, kind of. They got hot at the right time, and uh, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, they played their game of their lives against Clemson. I just tend to think that water typically finds its level, and uh, I think Alabama's a lot higher level than uh, than Ohio State most of the time when they played. So, look, I think if they played 100 times, Alabama would win 80. Ohio State might win 20. Um, and so uh, I feel pretty good about Alabama finding a way to get it done. Well, good luck, Clay. Congratulations to the SEC. Well, you know, we are. Uh, it matters more down here, Petros. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Appreciate all of you finishing off the show with us. Encourage you to go download the podcast. By the way, give us five stars. 
Danny G will be reading the most recent five-star reviews. I promise you over the next couple of days, we will nail them and we will break them all down for you. And I believe that you can become one of our big five-star winners. All you have to do is download the podcast, Clay Travis, search out OutKick. Make sure that you are a part of the OutKick podcast. True, it would be much appreciated as we roll into 2021. So I believe as we get ready for the playoffs, I know everybody out there is ecstatic that their team made the playoff. To me, there are five teams that can still win the Super Bowl. We've been talking about all sorts of different NFL stories, all sorts of different college football stories, but I want to circle back around now to my picks for who's going to win the Super Bowl, and I think we're down to five, all right? I believe we are trending towards a Chiefs Super Bowl against the Packers, all right? It's not a revolutionary comment. People out there are going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe you think that the best team from the AFC is going to end up playing the best team from the NFC. But I do believe that the team that is being the most slept on, there are five that can win it, right? The Chiefs, the Packers, the Bills, the Saints, and the Seahawks. But I actually think the team that is being the most slept on out of those five right now, it's New Orleans Saints. Because the Saints have lost three straight games, I'm sorry to bring it up, Saints fans, on the final play of the season. Do you know how hard that is to do? They lost, sorry to bring it up, on the Minnesota Miracle. They lost on crazily the non-call between the Saints and the Rams on the pass interference play, and they lost on the Kyle Rudolph touchdown pass in the back left corner in the Superdome. The final play of their season, three years in a row, and by the way, the pass interference call wasn't the final play of the season, I think it was Greg the Leg Zerline put in like a 54-yarder to win the game and go to the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, for the Rams. The final play of the season, three different years. And as a result, I think we are sleeping a lot on this Saints team. Think about it from this perspective. Drew Brees is trying to do what has been rarely done in NFL history. He is trying to ride off into the sunset with a second straight Super Bowl title. He is trying to do what John Elway did. Two straight Super Bowls. Done. Denver Bronco legend for all time. It's amazing how John Elway changed his legacy. If you're old enough to remember, the Broncos were like the Bills. They were the team that was never going to be able to win. In the Super Bowl, they'd get there and then they'd lose. And then they won two in a row with John Elway. Everything changed. And then they brought Peyton Manning in and they sold him on the idea, hey, Elway did, you can finish your career with the Super Bowl like I did and wouldn't believe it, happened again. Peyton Manning gets a Super Bowl final game of his career. Can Drew Brees do it? I got to be honest with you. I'd really like to see it. I like for careers to end perfectly. For me, Michael Jordan, his career will have always ended posing over Brian Russell 
to win the sixth championship. I pretend the Wizards years didn't exist, and I went to college in D.C. during some of the Wizards years. Jordan's career for me ended with the last dance. It ended with that sixth championship, with that perfect pose, with that jumper. Peyton Manning's career ends, Super Bowl champ. John Elway's career ends, Super Bowl champs. What's the best ending of the five teams I think can win the Super Bowl? It's Drew Brees, Super Bowl champion. Again, Chiefs can win it. Patrick Mahomes wins the second Super Bowl. Who cares? He's going to win a lot of them. Chiefs fans care. Not a great story. Packers win, okay. I'd like to see Aaron Rodgers win a second Super Bowl. It's hard to do. MVP, be phenomenal to see. Already seen the Seahawks win it with Drew Brees. Sorry, with uh, Russell Wilson. And Bills, it would be intriguing to see them finally get a title. But I'm telling you, the best end of the story is Drew Brees, Super Bowl champion for the second time and riding off into the sunset. This is OutKick. We're riding off into the sunrise. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Tuesday edition in the books. We'll be back tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. Follow us on uh, social media, Twitter. I'm at Clay Travis. Download the podcast. This has been OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. 